And we're off. Well, let's begin with you, David. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so basically, well, others, you know, where to start? I guess I'll start with growing up and my, my early years. Um, so I grew up in Cambridge, Ontario, uh, Canada. Uh, so it's about um, an hour down the 401 from Toronto. Um, and uh, had a, you know, a very wonderful, good childhood, two loving parents, um, both Christian uh, and both committed. Although I'd say it took both of them, uh, like they had to make their own journey to get to that place. It wasn't necessarily inherited. Uh, in some ways it was, in some ways it wasn't. Um, my grandma on my mom's side uh, grew up Mennonite outside of Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, but she left the Mennonite tradition to move to the big city. And there uh, she met my grandpa. And they kind of took a long time before they got married. I think my grandma eventually gave the ultimatum, you know, propose or, or move on. Um, but for a few years, uh, I know they weren't attending church. And then when my mom came into the picture, she's the oldest uh, of my grandma and grandpa. Um, they started to make decisions and uh, they joined the United Church of Canada. Um, and uh, yeah, that kind of, my, my mom's faith development happened there. Um, but then in her teenage years, she had something of a, a, a personal revival or a, just a re recommitment through some friends um, at school and um, eventually found her way into the Christian Reformed Church, uh, which I grew up in. Um, and she met my dad, who was uh, in youth group at the Cambridge uh, Christian Reformed Church. And um, they met and eventually got married. And, um, and, my, and on my dad's side, um, he is the he's middle son of immigrants from the Netherlands. And but I don't get the sense that um, faith was too significant in that in that family. But then my grandpa died uh, at age mid 40s and my dad was mm -hmm. maybe 12 years old or somewhere mm -hmm. in that area when he died. And I think for my dad, that really that was a significant moment for sure. Uh, but for him, I think he experienced the the power of the power of the church in that moment kind of coming around the family and it sort of solidified his trajectory and also uh his his kind of faith uh, very dutiful hmm. um present wanting to serve in the church in various ways so anyway, that was my my parents and they came together. And then so sometimes I would hear from my mom, just like personal relationship with God. And then I would see with my dad. Uh, uh, duty, presence, service. Um, my mom uh, taught grade three for many, many years at a local Christian school and my dad uh in and out of carpentry and he also drove truck for a long time after a season where we had um, significant financial troubles uh, just for something stable. Um, 
anyway, so I grew up in the midst of that home, middle child of three. And uh, so, yeah, some significant experiences along the way. I won't get into all those. Um, but uh, eventually I went to Calvin College. So maybe we can go to that. Um, that was a big step for me to step mm. out of my hometown, my family, although I was ready, I was ready to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was like, I, I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I gotta spread my wings a little bit. Was Redeemer not open yet or that just yeah, your thing? It, it was open and, uh, they wanted me <laughs> because I played high school volleyball, uh, pretty competitively. Uh, so, um, I'm super tall and uh athletic um, dutch thing yeah right 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 um (laughs) and so they they were trying to get me to come uh there was a coach who was you know scouting the local tournaments trying to trying to pull people in but it was too close to home i i wanted to get out uh for a variety of reasons um and and so i didn't really but you know stepping out going to Calvin wasn't really in the family tradition. Like there was no pull there to go, uh, to go there. Um, but I had a friend named Brad Knetch, uh, who was two years older than me and he went to Calvin and, um, him and I stayed in contact and he was always just talking so highly of it. And, um, so I kind of followed him. I don't know if you know, Brad, Brad's, he actually is a pastor at Madison with the Franklin campus. Oh, really? Oh, wow. In Christ- yeah, in the Christopher Funk Church. Because he went off to seminary too. I just, I'm just following Brad essentially. Just following Brad. No, I've, I yeah. don't, I don't know him. I left. So yeah. I was, I left. Well, I, I went to the Dominican Republic in 1990, and so, um, you know, I, Madison Square was our calling church. Um, we'd come back for home service, but. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't deeply involved after 1990. Right. So yeah, I moved. I moved to Calvin in uh, to Grand Rapids in 2002. So that's okay. when I started uh, university. Um, and you know, it was it was great for me on so many levels. Um, I grew up in a very blue collar church family, and at my high school, doing well in school was sort of looked down upon. Uh, a lot of farmers uh, hoping to just take over the farm. You know, what does this have to do with anything? And people who did well generally got made fun of. Um, and I was always a fairly mediocre student. Um, but then I, I, I arrived at Calvin and I found there was a different culture there of like wanting to learn and do well. And I thought, aren't you going to get made fun of <laughs> if you do well? And I was like, no, it's actually... It's cool. You can gain status by doing well. Exactly. (laughs) And so it kind of triggered. I I won't say it was just the status, but I'm sure that was a part of, you know, just the air I was breathing. But it triggered in me this desire to want to learn. Uh, And of course, I had professors along the way that really fanned that into flame. Uh, I started thinking I wanted to do something in uh, music production, uh, which is, I'm glad I didn't go that direction. Uh, But I was very interested in that. I'm somewhat uh, of a musician, um, play guitar and sing. And uh, anyway, that door shut when I worked, I worked at the the FAC. So we're getting into maybe 
CRC terms here. The yeah, Fine, the Art, Fine Center. Art Center. When you drive into Calvin, if you're coming in for an event, if it's not in the gym, it'll be in the, yeah. now they call it the CFAP, the Covenant FAC. It's like, oh. they added yeah. that name when they remodeled it for some reason. Right, right, someone yeah. gave money. Yeah, yeah. So um, I worked there as a sound guy, like trying to get good at the technical side of audio production. And I wasn't very good at it. Uh, I, I couldn't figure out the technical aspect. Uh, a lot of it's just physics and math and computer programming. And I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is over. And this is not going to fly. Uh, but it was a good experience. I actually ran sound for uh, three different synods over the years. Oh, yeah. When I was a student, you so. probably I was I was there 2004, 2000. Yeah. So I was there in 2004. So so I sat through all those uh, a lot of debates, and that was that was actually pretty interesting for me too. Um, but it, so I knew eventually, I had this sense that I wanted to get into international development, um, and Calvin had an international development minor. And so when the music thing kind of fizzled, I was like, well, I know I want to do something with that. So let's minor with that and then let's explore majors. Uh, and one of the classes um, you have to take for the core requirements at Calvin was a philosophy class. And I took that with uh, Rebecca DeYoung um, and it just, it leveled me in a way I was not prepared for. Um, Rebecca DeYoung, she does a lot with um, ancient philosophy, um, Plato, Augustine, uh, Aquinas, um, and she basically just had us read the classics. And so I just remember reading, you know, the, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I was just like, oh, no, like, I have not been thinking <laughs> about my life. And it really hit me like it really hit me hard. And. I was like, I have to figure out, I have to think more intentionally about who I am and what I'm doing here. Um, and I had been a Christian uh, and committed one. Uh, you know, I had gone through profession of faith class, right, in the, in the CRC. And, and, and that was important for my, my development. And I actively was always seeking out church, even, you know, in my early days at Calvin. And so that was there, but Plato, Socrates opened up this, this other world that I all of a sudden knew I needed to engage. And then she lectured on, Rebecca DeYoung lectured on Augustine, the Confessions. Um, Lord, you have made us for ourselves and our hearts are restless until we rest in thee, something like that. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And the... The truth of that kind of leapt off the page in a way and and hit me in a way that actually really hasn't left. Um, that's still something that I return to as what do I think is most true? And I feel like that is close to the heart of what I believe. And then, so I'm being rocked by Plato, I'm being rocked by Augustine, and then she gets to Aquinas, and we read this little book, A Treatise on Happiness, and uh, I think it's part of the Summa somewhere, uh, his, his big, you know, work, and Aquinas is very dry and dull to read, uh, which is kind of, it takes a lot to get into, but if you have a good interpreter helping you, he really jumps off the page, 
and Rebecca DeYoung took us through that book. And Aquinas just lays out all these different things people do to try to be happy or fulfilled. And, you know, pleasure, power, possessions, fame. And he's basically systematically uh, <laughs> says why each of these will not lead to uh, lasting fulfillment and basically comes to the conclusion that basically similar to Augustine, we aren't made for these things. We're made for a relationship with God. And the way she articulated that was so powerful to me. I remember leaving the classroom, like knees knocking, you know, like just shaking in a way. Like I had had this encounter with something very true. And of course it exposed my life and all these different ways that I was unconsciously seeking fulfillment and how <laughs> those were destined to be dead ends. So that was very significant for me. Um, and basically I was like, that's it. I'm a philosophy major. Uh, I got it. <laughs> so, uh, much for, I got... <laughs> so much for sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so that set, so I had the international mind, international development minor philosophy major, and I, I did settle with that. And, um, so part of the international development minor was a, um, you could do a semester abroad. And so I did a semester in Honduras and, uh, it was, also life-changing in a similar way to Rebecca DeYoung's uh, philosophy class. Um, so, and I guess, I mean, you know, there's more to me than uh, being, I'm a pastor, I didn't mention that, but there's more to me than but It's kind of nice to save to the end because it, it builds suspense. Where's this guy going? Right, right, right. So, but this is- this Oh, is, he's a pastor. Oh, this is, now this is I understand. Right. This is this is crucial to my my I, my call to ministry, I guess. Um, uh, and and, you know, why I've gone the direction I've gone in life. Um, so part of the brilliance of this semester abroad, so we did four four days in class and then the Friday we would do like we'd get out in the field and we'd look at an example of development in action. So we go to different NGOs, basically, and learn on the ground. And one of the places we went was way out into the hills, into the mountains, uh, to to talk to a Peace Corps worker. I think, are you familiar with Peace Corps? And yep. yeah, so they're yeah basically after university you can go serve in the world for two years somewhere. Uh, and he was in this community. He was just finishing his time there, been there for for two years. And this particular community did not have electricity, uh, so it didn't have yeah, no power, but the power lines were going right overhead, <laughs> right? Like you could see them, like they like whoever built the power lines, like, let's go right through this community and not drop it to the ground. Um, and so they had been lobbying over the years to try to get power. And finally, you know, it was supposedly going to come and it was going to come a few weeks after this Peace Corps worker left. And so we're walking, he's showing us his projects. He's talking about, you know, what he's been up to. And, and I, I talked with him and I said, you know, this kind of stinks. You know, you've been here for two years, no electricity. And then a couple weeks after you leave, they're going to get it. And he was reflecting on that. He said, you know, I'm actually not too sad about that, he said. And then he said, the moment, the moment this community gets electricity is the moment they're all going to buy little TVs and hide away in their houses 
watching whatever they can find on TV. Yep. And yep. as soon as he said that, that was like one of these, you know, truth jumping off the page. Uh, I was like, that's exactly what is going to happen. Yep. And so here I am thinking all semester, what is development? What is sustainable development? What is good for people? What do people need? And then I'm like, okay, this is way more complex than getting elect electricity is a good thing, you know, but TV, like, okay, well, like, should they be what, watching Jer Jerry Springer? Like, like, this is not going to be good, right? Um, or anyway, so what I came to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion that day or in that time that it basically gels with what I was learning from Augustine and Aquinas, that there's a poverty that is deeper than poverty of possessions. And slowly I came to realize that what I was being called to was to engage that deeper poverty. And partly that was you know, the call was there in that little nugget. Uh, but I also like, like the sound tech stuff. I realized near the end of my philosophy degree that I wasn't very good at philosophy either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least not good enough to try to make a career of it. Um, you know, we got into, I started with Plato, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living. And then you end with the super technical analytical philosophy written in the 21st century, 12 pages of complete, dense argumentation. And then I saw, you know, when they put probability theory in their arguments, I was like, oh, shoot, this is just like math. <laughs> and I'm terrible at math. And I was like, this is over. This is, this is, this is, this is done. I can't do this. Um, and so, but I had all these questions and I knew my learning was not done. I got to do something. I've got to keep learning. I have unanswered questions. And, but then there's a the blue collar in me. It's like, okay, you can't, you got to make it practical. What can you do to keep learning and strive towards some sort of practical end? And I was like, I'll go to, I'm going to go to seminary. Yeah. <laughs> you get your books and the people too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I got excited about the opportunity to be sort of a, to bridge these gaps. Um, because it was always so hard for me to understand what I was reading. Like mm. I always had to work so hard to try to articulate what I was, what I was learning. But once I had figured it out, it was easier for me to explain that to people who are in maybe my own shoes. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I was like, maybe I can communicate, bridge these worlds. And maybe that's part of how, well, at that time I was like realizing maybe this is how God has shaped me for yeah. putting yeah. this all together. And so, so I had a good experience at seminary. I went right from seminary or from college to seminary. So I lived in Grand Rapids for seven years and um, yeah, it was great. Um, in some ways I was, I was, disappointed yep they try to do a lot in seminary and see i wanted to go deeper and i realized it was just like getting another ba yeah um 
And so that initially was disappointing, but yeah. I made it, I made it work. And then I had two internships, both of which sort of confirmed the pastoral trajectory. One was in Toronto, uh, in basically, uh, uh, immigrant community. And then one, I, I was a pastor in Owen Sound, Ontario for, yeah, there's a connection there. My grandfather's church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I interned there or I did the 10 week internship in 2000. Wow. 2009 or 2000, uh, 2008 or nine, somewhere in there. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So my grandfather's church is still there. It's still there. Oh, yeah, I think wonderful. it's wonderful. I think it's doing pretty good, I think. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so where from there we went, my wife and I, oh, I met my wife in at Calvin. Um, we got married first year after our first year of seminary. She's she went to Western Seminary. So my wife has her own, you know, story. She went to Western Seminary. So there was a while we were kind of going off to different things and then coming yeah. back at the end of the day, talk about what we were learning. Um, and um, so we got married, finished seminary. We moved to Hamilton. My wife did a CPE, which is like a chaplaincy residency yep. in Hamilton. And I was looking for a call preaching places. And I found a job working with youth at risk too, which was wonderful. And then we got the call together out to Victoria, British Columbia, oh, which is west coast of Canada on Vancouver Island, southern Vancouver Island. Um, and we spent the last 10 years there. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. But now I live north of Toronto. So I, in 2021, we moved to Alliston, Ontario, which is a small town about an hour north of Toronto. Okay. Okay. You miss the west but coast? I do. I, You know, I miss it's certain beautiful. things. I miss certain things, the ocean, the the forests, yeah. the mountains, yeah. mostly it's nature related. Yeah. And then also I'm a huge cyclist. Um, so I basically lived, I mean, we had a car, but I did, I did all my work on a bike. I, I biked everywhere all the time, all year round. And it was awesome. And people around here don't get bikers. And so it's very dangerous to go biking on the road around here. Um, I still do it just carefully. And how, what have you thought of ministry? How have you liked ministry? Good question. Um, it's, it's wonderful. It's complex. It's hard. It's fun. It's powerful. It's tiring. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of pieces. Um, so the Victoria years were very formative for my um yeah what we in the biz maybe call our pastoral identity the shaping of our sense of call and and purpose and how we handle how we grow into how do i hand myself handle myself in this role um well victoria is not like grand rapids that is for sure um, <laughs> so no and, it is and, not and I loved I loved living in Grand Rapids. I it was actually very hard to to move. I I just I just loved it so much. But in Grand Rapids, I felt, and it was the world I was in too. The conversation, especially around Christianity, was, "What kind of Christian are you?" Well, I'm not like those Christians, and I'm not like those Christians, and I'm not like those Christians. So I'm this kind of Christian, right? And you're defining yourself in opposition in a way to all the different kinds of Christians that are around. 
But in BC, <laughs> it's like, I remember hearing a statistic uh, from one of the church planters I was connecting with that about 4% of the residents of Victoria were actively worshiping in a Christian church on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And I was like, hold on. Did you just say 4%? Like, that's almost nobody. And what I had been doing in some of my preaching was doing a little bit of that. Well, we're not this, we're not that, like, we're not Catholics, we're not, you know. Right. And all of a sudden, the absurdity of that just hit me. It's like, this is, this is a different, I'm in a different world. And it was the start of what came to, I came to call my missionary identity. Um, I came to see myself less as uh, a, a pastor of a Christian church amongst many churches and Christians and more a pastor of a Christian church in, in a city that has very few Christians. What does that mean for me? What does, what does that mean? I really wrestled with that question and Along the way, I preached a sermon series on the I am statements of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that, <laughs> I was like, you know, I knew this before, but I don't think I knew it, knew it in the way mm -hmm. I, I uh, but like Jesus has a very high view of himself. <laughs> he has an absurdly high view of himself. Yeah, way like too high for a dude who's a guru. I mean, you don't want you want gurus who are humble, right? That's right. You don't want people running around saying they're God. Exactly. And I was like, this is crazy. And um, is it true? So I had been ministering, I think, in just going along with the tradition, going along with what I grew up with, trying my best to preach the Bible. And it struck me as like, is at first time I was, I was asking the, like, is he who, like, is he who he says he is, right? Like that. And then what does that mean? And do people really need him? Like he says they need him. <laughs> like they need light, like they need bread, like they need water. Um, and so that was kind of formative for me because I came, I had to really actually wrestle with that question. Like, do I believe what I preach? Do I, do I really think Jesus is all that he says he is? And then at the same time, my wife was doing a dunamis training, which is basically a holy, uh, <laughs> I got to explain so much, but ministry, you understand a lot. Of yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, it's a small community that seeks to equip the church to continue the ministry of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they take that power of the Holy Spirit very seriously. And she was being healed, transformed, growing, empowered in ways that she hadn't been before. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were on a parallel path here yeah. and came to this basically had a little who are we, like these who are we moments right what do we stand for what do we believe is true good and needed what do people really need my preaching became much more christocentric at that time so more christ-centered our need for him 
And I, I, but I wrestled with it. So I, I came to that conclusion, but maybe this is the meaning crisis. I'm just constantly evaluating those claims. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess part of the struggle of being a pastor sometimes is I've got to believe it in order to communicate it and promote it <laughs> and not lose your soul. Yeah. Yes. Without and having it be authentic, you know, it's a, you know, a word you don't always like, but like without being week to week, well, this week I sort of believe it <laughs> this week. I really believe it. Right. <laughs> um, but constantly engaging that question and yeah. testing it. I want to, I want to test its truthfulness and well, I remain a pastor. And so I've, I, I continue to come back to the conclusion. Yes. I believe this is what people need. Um, but that's the ongoing dialogue of just yeah. my inner, my inner world. Yeah. Right? Well, it's, it's, it's the, it's basically the workbench of your vocation. Right. I mean, it's just like you say, I mean, you can, you can be out there faking it for a stupid CRC minister's paycheck because right. you're too afraid to try anything else. Yeah. But that's, that's a, that's a horrendous thing. So yeah, you, you can't, you can't survive. Eventually it just hollows you out and you, you go yeah. crazy. You go yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Point. Or you do something really stupid that blows right. up your life. Um, right. Yes. So yes, no, that's absolutely. right. That's right. And then along the way, I, I met you. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find me? <laughs> so this is the first time we're, we're really uh, meeting, yeah. but um, I think it was one of your, uh, you know, your post-synod wrap-up videos, oh. you with the TV behind you. Oh, that one. That's early. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw the it. Synod, the synod post-game show. That's right. Yeah. And I watched it. And I thought, you are, uh, what I really appreciated about that was actually your historical lens, which was much broader than what's just going on here. But how does this fit into the bigger picture of evangel evangelicalism in America, in North America? And I was, so I was just, I, I ate it up. And then I started uh, checking in on the blog, your blog, Leading Church. Oh, every wow. <laughs> every so often um and what what started to happen is you started you started to basically curate my reading or oh, consumption yeah. of the internet oh, you, be, you became yeah. my <laughs> i don't i don't want to engage the whole thing i don't even know where to start but yeah, i'll yeah. i'll see the articles that paul posts see the videos he posts i'll give them a listen i'll give them a watch and and I really, uh, that was enough for me. You post enough there to keep me. Keep oh, me good. Going. Wow. Um, I, cause, cause that's a, that's a thing that I've just, I, you know, I, I have no, cause you get about 400 clicks a day on that thing. And it's like, I have no idea, but yeah, that, that it works for my life. So I keep yeah. doing it. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I, I really appreciate it for sure. It was, it was important for the next stage of my, my journey. Um, and, uh, so I had been, I, I, I was listen, uh, 
mentoring is actually something I think I'm thinking about these days, but um, I had been listening to Jack Rhoda oh, preach. Yeah. Yeah. So he was part of my spiritual, my own spirit, how I own, how I tended to my own relationship with God, essentially. Yeah. I well, would go. I, I used to listen to his sermons. I, I loved yeah. his, I loved his sermons. He's just a sweet, sweet preacher. Yeah. So I would go hike a mountain, listen to Jack. Yeah. And then I usually he'd finish by the time I got to the top and then I'd listen <laughs> to wor worship music on the way down. It was wonderful. And he really shaped my, uh, uh, some of my preaching sensibilities, I think, but then he retired and I was like, yeah. no, you can't do that. Like, who yeah. am I going to, what am I, who's going to feed me next? And that was about the time I, I found you. And, um, yeah. And so I've been, I, in a way I switched a little bit uh, over to you. Uh, it, it wasn't even a, a conscious decision, really. It just sort of happened. And that's how I, you know, landed on the the Peterson, Peugeot, uh, Verbeke, the pipeline, as as people are, are calling it. Your pre-pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very interesting. So I'm out in BC, you know, uh, Victoria is, a, it's like Portland, it's like Seattle. It's uh, it's very secular. It's like yeah. Toronto. And so then yeah. I'm I'm diving into the biblical series, yeah. and I'm riding my mountain bike through uh, through the forest. Just be like, what is going on? This, <laughs> is, this is so interesting. And I'm learning. And I'm like, yeah. no one has. I've never listened to anyone go through the Bible with this lens. And this is just fascinating. So I, I kind of got addicted to that for a while. Yeah. Just, just traveling that road, learning. And you were part of that in that you were pointing out all these different articles written about him or, you know, the different things that were going on. So that really um, fed my, my thinking life for, for quite a few years. And I would say out west too one of the conclusions i came to connected with some of all, all of this is i am a strain i'm a stranger <laughs> and there's no there's very little connection points between what i believe and what i'm preaching and the changing culture around like I can't, I was seeing the United Church of Canada, other mainline denominations trying to kind of fit in like this is not, this is not working. The fit in, the try to be, trying to be acceptable to the culture, it, it's not going to work. And that was very, very clear to me. And then Peterson was like, well, I'm not, I'm just not going to try to fit in. Uh, well, he tries to fit in in some ways, but like he was giving an alternative um, and I, I, so I, I've been following, you know, you know, neutral world, uh, what are the, that schema, um, the neutral world, positive, uh, neutral, negative world, negative world, Aaron runs and three worlds. Yeah, that's right. And I think even back then I was coming to the conclusion, this is a, this is a negative world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, especially in BC. Yeah. And the goal. Yeah. So that shape that that has really shaped my my ministry as well in, yeah. in some ways and and even my thinking on various 
hot button topics, which I try not to go into probably today. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, that almost brings us up to today. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the call, the call to Alliston. So that's preacher talk for this church over here. Thought that Brittany and I, my wife and I, would be uh, a great fit for their the next leg of their journey and we thought that was right like it just was clear to us that things were coming to a conclusion out west and the new season was here and our gifts met their needs it was yeah yeah what's what 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 are some of your the different contexts breed different churches so what what were some of your what were some of your thoughts in terms of the compare and contrast between BC and, and Ontario where you are now? Are you more, what kind of community are you in? Is it, is it right? Yeah. I think the simplest way to describe it is there, there are less Teslas and more pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah. Until and, the cyber truck comes out at least. <laughs> and people like to idle in their vehicles endlessly. It's like my, my Vancouver Island sensibilities are, are definitely being uh, offended. <laughs> um, it's, it's a farm. It's more farming. It's okay. more rural, but we are slowly being taken over by Toronto. So mm. it has the excitement. Mm. The locals don't like this excitement. Yeah. I kind of like this excitement. Yeah. Um, there are gigantic subdivisions being built that look like you could be in Mississauga. Mississauga is a big suburb outside of Toronto. Like the world, the world is here. You just have to walk into Walmart and mm. it's like things are changing. This community will not be the same. In wow. So we're, we're an hour away from the city, but property prices in anywhere within a half an hour of the city are out of reach. And yeah. so people are moving up and a lot of those people are, are recent immigrants to Canada of from all over the world. Um, so you have that kind of dynamic happening mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. here and you can see it and the locals mm -hmm. don't like it, but you, yeah. it's not, it will not be stopped. Yeah. Um, in my church, um, it's it's a real mix of people, potato farmers, uh, big Honda factory in town. So there's some Honda employees, mm. um, so lots of retired folks, construction workers. It's it's pretty. It's a blue collar town. No universities. Um, uh, beautiful rolling hills. I I love it. it, it mm. the, the the maple the maple tree forests. The Niagara Escarpment runs through here the valleys and the creeks that run down to the Nottawasaga river, it, it really feeds my soul. Mm. Um, so that's been nice to come leave a beautiful place, but come to a place that is more beautiful than I thought it would be. Mm. And so I, I've really enjoyed that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your story. It's, I just really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed hearing it. And, um, I, I've, you know, when I started the channel, I, I kind of wanted more CRC voices on it, um, CRC ministers, especially because there's the, I, I got all the time, well, you're not like other ministers. And it's like, oh, but there's, 
and also not that different from other ministers you know the the issues the issues that we have to wrestle with um our formation um you know ministers are people too and they the these it's not that we're sort of religious non-player characters running around the landscape um just mouthing you know anybody who's got a living soul has to wrestle with this themselves and they'll they'll be they'll be wrestling with the, the same things that are in the culture and um and so they'll come to lots of you know as we see in the crc they'll come to lots of different answers about it too <laughs> and um yeah so so no that's 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 a beautiful story well told well told i think people will you're, you are going to let me share this video. I hope you're not going to let that, that, that would <laughs> yeah, be so just, far. <laughs> that would just be cruel at this point because yeah, no, I've, totally. I've, you know, cause obviously, and I know, you know, this too, because when you hear a story like this, you've got people in the back of your minds thinking, Oh, I wish they'd hear this. Oh, I wish they'd hear this. And I got that via this whole crazy channel going on. And, um, and so because there are there are people out there wrestling with vocation actually the the conversation i had just before you another canadian a french canadian who's yeah. musician he's going to be an elder in his church and um and so yeah the, the the randos conversations are you know they don't get the clicks like the jordan peterson commentary videos but they're there's a realness to them that is 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 very refreshing on youtube yeah yeah so much YouTube yeah i listen to clips. at least some of them you know i and i and i feel the same way but yeah that's i mean the, the you've got the plenty of randos in your life already the pastoral side of me i like i'm just endlessly curious with people right yeah. like i just yeah. oh tell me like tell me more uh why are you interested in that why what has happened in your life to lead you to this place right like i'm just endlessly curious yeah i don't i don't have a um i've got a two o'clock i have to travel a little bit to but i don't have it i don't have to cut this off at the top of the hour so if you want to get into some stuff um go for it yeah you know i was wrestling um is do i have any questions for paul and uh in a way i've got you know a thousand and none of them really seemed super important uh for this moment um well let, well let me ask I, you I, some things what what do you think about this whole estuary project i don't know if you've caught much of that channel or thought about it um if i didn't ask this question van donk is going to be on my phone you got a crc yeah. minister on your channel you didn't lean into yeah. him on estuary oh paul <laughs> i'm in i'm i'm part of the group i'm i'm uh i'm oh I'm part of john's thing the lsnet or whatever it's called okay, yeah i don't have a dunk on my back then yeah well, so have you started a group or where's that at then yes so um i started a group and no one came <laughs> <laughs> that's the dunk's worst nightmare that's why he hates me he doesn't yeah. hate me but he's like vander clay you open a group and everybody comes because you're stupid channel he never says that exactly but that's what he thinks i know it right yeah yeah you know um i I did a bunch of promotional work. I, it's really hard for me to start new initiatives like this. I really have some internal hurdles I have to conquer to like get these things going. Um, 
but I promoted it. I, I put stuff here and there. I started a meetup. There was 10 people that signed on to the meetup. Um, I promoted it with five or six guys in the church that I, I thought might be interested. And um, yeah, no one, no one came. And that took the wind out of my sails a little bit because, <laughs> um, because of all like the, just the emotional, like, Oh, this is right. hard for me to right. work through. Um, I'll, I think I'll try again. Eventually I'll build up the courage again. Um, so what, what, what really is attractive to me is um, a, I want a place where I can wrestle out my own thoughts as much as I want to hear from other people. Right. Like, like I said, I mean, I'm always testing, in some sense, the claims of the Christian faith against reality. And I'm doing that in my head all the time. And I want a community where I can do that with other people. Yep. And I bet you there are people out there who are doing the same thing with their their ideas, their thoughts, their commitments. Yep. And they're looking for it too. I I I I I believe there there are enough people out there. It's just a matter of timing and getting the word out, trying to communicate it, and then getting like a the ball rolling so that it turns into a like a, a lively community, right? Yeah. Um, so and and my sense of what's needed. So this is me speaking as you know the pastor Dave, like. My sense of what's needed evangelistically in Canada in this moment is, is this kind of thing. Yeah. And it also fits my personality, which is um, I want deep connections with people and I want to hear what they're thinking and I want to be able to share what I'm thinking and I also honestly think that's the best mode for evangelistic presence. Yeah. Now I wouldn't be doing it for the sake of evangelism, right? Like it's not, that's right. not my sole reason. I'm, I'm actually right. just, I'm looking for intellectual friends is what yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I want intellectual friends. Yeah. I'm new to this area. I don't know very many people yeah. outside of church, but the flip side is I also see it as a means of bearing witness to what I think is true in a way that fits who I am. Yeah. And so eventually after hearing you talk about it enough, I'm like, all right, I got to do something about it. And so I, I reached out to John or the website and I got on the list. And so I've been participating in estuary groups for, um, uh, yeah, since before Christmas uh, or yeah, like probably even in the summer, probably yeah. around the summer. Um, so I, I like it. I think, you know, I, I, I don't have criticisms. I, I have, um, uh, maybe I would maybe do it a, a titch different, um, than how it's been modeled to me, but not much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change much. Um, that's Vedank. He's like 90% sane. So, you know, that's, that's probably about right. <laughs> I, I think uh, there's a looseness to the conversation that um, it, I would like it to be a little tighter. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I would like mm -hmm. it to be a bit more focused. Yep. So yep. Um, that would be my style in leadership probably is we go around the circle twice 
And then I'd say, this is what I'm hearing the group wants to talk about. Yeah. Let's spend it. Let's spend an hour talking about this. And then I would probably, if things got off track in a way that didn't connect with that point, I'd probably try to steer it back towards what the group wanted to talk about. And, and at the estuary meetings that I'm a part of that, it usually just ends up kind of yeah, going all, yeah. all, all over the place, which yeah. sometimes that's actually what needs to happen. Depends and on the leader, you know, yeah. some leaders, and I think there's, there's room in that some leaders can corral a little bit more and nudge it back over here. And yeah, yeah. but it, it is hard. So one of our church planters in Sacramento, mm -hmm. now he's, pastoring one a church planted by tim blackman and chuck dillander um you know he when he was thinking about church planting he grabbed onto the estuary thing and i i seeded him with some of my thoroughbreds who if i did an estuary meeting every week they would be here so right. um but i but not everybody has that sort of resource that i've got partly just because of the youtube channel and what we've started and the momentum that we have. So it's no, I, I totally get it. But I, you know, when I listen to you, I think, yeah, that's, I, I waited, I longed for something like this for years in ministry. And, you know, these are the conversations I wanted to have. These were the kinds of relationships I wanted to build with people. And I, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. Right. That's right. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think about leveraging the Jordan Peterson stuff because I, it's a pretty conservative area where I live. I imagine he has quite a few fans in the area. And part of me just doesn't want to pull the trigger on that uh, because I don't necessarily want to become a Jordan Peterson group. And I, I'm kind of a... I don't like making a splash, Paul. I don't really want to get wrapped up in politics or I don't want to have to do all that. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> you do it very well, I must say. You, uh, uh, Or at least you have the perseverance to kind of to keep going with that. Yeah. The... the um... You know, a lot of people were with Jordan Peterson were came for the culture or stayed for the religion. And um, you do, you know, some of the people, especially early on with the Jordan Peterson meetup group, they they just they just really come into they just really wanted to come in here and you know have a live action version of the the Ben Shapiro show. And it's like, no, nah, we're not gonna do that. Um, you know, start your own meetup group if you if all you want to do is bang on about you know, owning the libs and conservative politics, go find, follow, just found a conservative political group. Right. Um, we, we want to be more open, actually more disagreeable. We're willing to deconstruct conservatism too. And, um, and have a good conversation and keep it yeah. open. And, um, but you're right. It stays, it stays, it stays quite open, too open for many people. But, you know, we all have to live with our temperament, too. And mine is just really open for some strange reason. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I I'm looking for opportunities to con, uh, continue estuary or, um, you know, the moment out here might call for something different too. like. Um, like I might just have to have to, but I, I have considered starting some sort of like, you know, dad's group or um, it's just a bunch of dads with kids around my church right now and it 
might be uh, a better, uh, something for me to engage with. That's actually just yep. the wave is the wave is right there. I just have to ride it, you know? Yep. Um, so you are the pastor of Alliston now, now tremendously yep. creatively named I know. Alliston Christian Reformed Church. Yes. I know. We used to be Sacramento Christian Reformed Church, yes, so I totally yes. get it. <laughs> yes. You know, it's actually an interesting, I think about this, the name quite a bit in that, um, especially in Canada, the CRC with its uh, re more recent immigrate, immigration past, there was benefit to actually highlighting the Christian Reformed Church aspect of the name and just say, oh, this is where it is. It's in, it's in Alston or it's in, you know, any any, Barry, any small town Owen exactly yeah exactly just because when other crc people move there they'll just go to it like it's the uh you know the you know the mcdonald's or whatever um the franchise model it's the tim hortons uh, yeah but that's that is just not the case anymore that circulatory um, system is almost done yeah i was thinking actually recently um that the toronto area might not be too much there might be similarities between the new jersey experience and hmm. the toronto experience um big city people can't afford to leave live here anymore people are moving out um churches are dying like they're the, the christian reformed churches in toronto i, I shouldn't say too much because i've only been here two years um but they're, they're not numerically doing too well most right. of them right and it doesn't matter if they're more progressive more conservative they're they're having trouble yep and um you just start to see like how long can this how long can this go before there needs to be amalgamations or really significant conversations happen and that's happening in at least two or three of the churches in the classes are yeah are not not doing so well um so yeah, there's this, and it's also has the rural more and the more progressive, and um, anyway, back to the name. Uh, it's I don't really want to take out Christian Reformed Church, uh, but if there is a way we could hi highlight our identity uh, such that it it wasn't just an outpost, another Christian Reformed Church in another small town. I think that would probably be good. Well, us. once you plant some more, then you get to change the name. Right. Because then so then you, you can be first Alliston Christian That's Reformed right. Church That's if you right. want to. Or you can pick some crazy name like Living Stones. And Yes. But actually, Living Stones is much has worked much better than Sacramento Christian Reform because you skip over Sacramento because, duh, we're here. Exactly. And then you stick, skip over Christian because it's a church. And then you people park on reformed and yes. that goes weird places. So it yeah, was totally. not a helpful name, but yeah, but it was helpful in terms of the circulatory system yes. that you just described. Exactly. I'm a Christian reformed church person. I moved to yeah. Sacramento. I go to the Sacramento Christian reformed church. It's very exactly. simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally dead for sure. Yeah. Uh, that being said, we still get, um, you know, some, some transfers from other, crcs uh, but they're they're mostly older people yeah. yep 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 or died in the wool yep yep 
But I wanted to make sure that got named here because after this video, there'll be a rando or two that are like, that's not so far from me. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, any other rando out there who wants an intellectual friend, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here as I'd like to do something. Um, So, yeah, I, I would, if that happened, I would, I would be actually very happy. I think it probably will. It usually does. Now, how it'll go in the long term, that's a whole nother question because randos are randos only for the first few minutes. And then once you start digging a little deeper, then suddenly, oh, wait a minute. I thought you would be this or do this or think that. And you don't mm-hmm. think those things. So I don't know if you're the rando I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just people. But as a pastor, of course, you know that. You have that with church shoppers and um yes yes you know, people sure. who come in and yeah 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 you know like back to do i have any, like i don't really have any questions for you um right now i guess i just thought it's so i i was looking back on the mentorship question and i was like oh you know i i had this pastor named ralph coops who he, he helped formulate some aspect of my sense of what it means to be a pastor. And then, uh, you know, I had Jack Rhoda. He helped me understand uh, more how to communicate and, and preach in a way that I'm really thankful for. Um, but, I, you know, you had fa- father, grandfather. Um, like, I didn't have any of that. Dave Beelan. Dave Beelan was a big influence on me. Right. Although on my, uh, I should say on my wife's side, um, there's there's a history of uh, she my my wife, um, my mother in law is a Cooper, um, so that's there's a New Jersey connection there. But they have the New that. Jersey Coopers. Yeah. So my grand my grandfather on my my wife's grandfather was a CRC pastor. So there is it is in the family. Well, Sam, but, you know Sam Cooper. He's been in. He was with me in Madison Square, and he's been in Canada like his whole ministry. Yeah, he's in classes Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bump into Sam. I used to bump into Sam at home missions board meetings and then at Synod. And yeah, Sam's a real treasure. Yeah. But what I wanted to say is you you have been the mentor for the last uh, at least four or five years. Um, And it's like this weird thing in that it's from afar. And this is the first time we're talking. Strange, Uh, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I just wanted to say thank you. Well, it's humbling. For, You're very welcome. For putting in the work. And yeah, you're, you're more or less just being yourself. But you being yourself is, I think, part of what I needed or, you know, have needed for for the last four years for my own continued growth. Um and I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not asking for more or anything like that. Like I know that it's not really possible, but it's it. And I was just, it got me thinking about mentoring in general. And yeah, part of I watched John Verbeke's uh, the first two after Socrates lessons, and I was like shocked. I was like, he's trying to get me to be a Socrates disciple, and it, <laughs> and to to be like basically to be mentored by him, yeah, to have yeah, him show yeah. me how to live, how to be, how to be in relationship. And um, 
I was just like, oh, that can happen. Um, it sounded really, like that happened with Rebecca DeYoung's philosophy class. Exactly. Exactly. All the mentors I've had have been, and this is a lament of mine. All the mentors I've had have not known that they were mentoring mm. me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, well, C.S. Lewis has been a mentor of mine. Right. Tim Keller has been a mentor of mine. I, I've met Tim Keller, but, um, yeah. you know, never, I don't really have a relationship with Tim Keller. Right. So, and don't have a relationship with C.S. Lewis, at least yeah. not to the degree that I understand yeah. it that way. But well, that's... yeah, it's just amazing uh, how that, I don't know. Yeah. Well, oh, that's why, you know, Augustine, Augustine has a mentored the entire Western church in some ways. Yes. Yes. It's a phenomenal thing. Yeah, totally. So... Well, thank you. It's it's humbling and it's it's gratifying because, you know, for years, you know, of course, lot, now, of course, lots more people know me because of YouTube, which is a strange thing. But no, you know, for years, I I'd post things on leadingchurch.com and, you know, sometimes I'd look at the analytics and if I'd, you know, like my <laughs> my synod post game show, it was just a crazy idea, you know, kind of grew out of the Freddie and Paul show, too. Um um, you know, what a crazy thing to have. But but that's what's so beautiful about local ministry is because that there are there are people in your church and there were people in your church in BC too that are they're unique and and even though you're their pastor, they do mentor you too. Mm-hmm. They they form your your pastoral identity, they form your missional identity, they um, you know, and Freddie in, in that way has been a you know, a mentor of mine. I, I, I've learned a tremendous amount from Freddie. Um, he's, I've probably learned more from him than he's learned from me, quite frankly. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the way God seems to have made us, that we learn from each other and, and to the degree that we can bless each other. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. So, yeah, totally. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're in Vendonk's group. You know, he, uh, Bindock, Bindock needs some uh, encouragement now and then. Um. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm maybe a little hard on him. I, I gotta. <laughs> no, you can't be too hard on Bindock. He's just, you gotta, you know, he's a he's a stiff neck Hollander, and he's got a wooden head and wooden shoes and all those things. So you gotta be. I I shouldn't. I, I those are those are those who should know that John and I have a very John and I John and I shared a room for almost three weeks in Europe. I mean, he dragged me around the Netherlands and poor Job put all those miles on Job's car. It's been, it's been insane, but, um, you know, you're, I mean, you're in a, you're in a, you know, different place in your ministry. Um, you and your wife have kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have four, four children. Oh, (laughs) Chris reform minister, big family. Well, you know, (laughs) like the, the Victoria years were just, it was it was crazy. Like it was just crazy. We had, um, uh, yeah, in 10 years, we were there for 10 years. We had all four of our children. And so every year was just newness, right? Like I'm just sort of figuring everything out all the time. And so that was exhausting at times. And, um, but now it feels like we're emerging from that a little bit because the youngest one, you know, is potty trained and in school a little bit now. And I'm like, Oh, I got more time to, 
to read yeah, yeah. <laughs> or to, you know, go biking or get yeah. out into the woods. Um, so it feels like we're in a new chapter uh, or a new season, but yeah, the, the kids, that was a big part of the last 10 years. And um, do, do you and your wife share a position? Do you have two positions? How does that work? Yeah, good question. Um, so we've always split one full-time position. Oh, that's a nice way to do it. So I'm basically 75, 70% and yeah. she's 30, 25. And yeah. uh, there's reasons to split it up like that. Yeah. Um, but it worked out very well for having children. And I had, a, I clocked a lot of time with my kids when they were babies yeah. and, yeah. you know, that's really special. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, when I get sick of being at home, I, I go back to church and yeah. when I get you know, tired of being a church, I go back. Like, it's just a balance that has really been sustainable. Yeah. Uh, there's some drawbacks. Um, yeah. but that's not, for us, they aren't big. We are very yeah. unified in our, our, our thinking and uh, how we handle ourselves pastorally. Um, I think if that wasn't the case, that would be really, really tricky. Yeah. Um, but for us, it works very well. And uh, the way I describe it is we don't really split up roles super clearly, yeah. but the way I describe it is I'm sort of the general practitioner and she's the specialist. Okay. So I refer people to Brittany. Okay. Okay. <laughs> My, her, her name's Brittany. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I kind of do the everyday pastoral role and then she has more of a specialty prayer ministry and counseling and um that's where her skills are she preaches maybe once every five to six weeks okay and she's very she's very good at that um more succinct and she i, I the way i put it is i she throws darts and i throw like a fistful of pebbles <laughs> <laughs> and that's the uh the, the main difference i'd say but yeah, it works out very well. And, you know, we might continue to do that for a while. Um, and we might uh, consider adding some things for her, if she like a counseling degree or some more um, formal training to, to do that kind of work. So your oldest is just out of potty training or your youngest, what, how, where's your oldest at? It's 10, 8, 6, 4. Oh, okay. Boy, nice. girl, boy, boy, girl. It's, it's beautiful. It's a sweet, it's a sweet time of life. We, uh, we are, we have a wonderful family situation. That's I honestly, I just feel completely blessed by all that. And, um, I've been listening to your marriage things as well. And, uh, um, yeah, it's been kind of interesting, but, um, I remember you said, uh, what, in one of the episodes, like we need couples to share like the secret sauce of, of marriage um you need positive examples and i went home and was like yeah Brett, we got i feel like we should we should share more <laughs> we got to talk more about um how how we do things and, and why it's good but a lot of it just feels like a gift too like um yeah, yeah. right like it, oh, oh, it's, it's, it works yeah 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 you're i mean there's a lot of alignment um you know, you share a ministry, you share a job, you share your kids. If there's, you know, if, if basically there's just, you, you share the same system of relationships. I mean, there's just a lot that 
and for some couples that might be suffocating, but it sounds like for you guys, it's, it just really works. And so that's, that's just tremendous. That's just wonderful. Yeah. It does work for us. Good. Good. Well, David, this this has been an absolute joy. I've I've loved hearing your story. Um, I'm deeply gratified that all of my um, insane, chaotic things that I've done have blessed you in one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> That's an answer to prayer. Yeah. Um, yeah, keep talking to the camera, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I I I can't stop. Um, I don't know if I could stop if I tried. There there are days then. There are days when it's getting on the afternoon. It's like, I don't have a video for tomorrow. I don't need a video for tomorrow. I don't, I don't know these people anything, but then it's like, I want to talk about this. And so turn on the crazy camera and make a insane video and people, you know, like who'd ever, who'd ever think of watching a synod post game show. I mean, that's just a, that's, that's how that's all. That's nearly irreverent to, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I do, what I do, but there it is. So, well, good. Well, oh. maybe we will bump, we'll cross paths at a synod or yeah. One of these, one of these days, I got to get up to, I got to get up to uh, Toronto. I, well, I was in, I was in Thunder Bay. It was beautiful. Yeah. I really I thought about it. getting up there. I, I really wanted to. I just didn't work. Um, oh, you got four, you got four little yeah. kids. It's tough to get away for a weekend and, and Thunder Bay, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a tough place to get to. But yeah, <laughs> if there is, um, I thought about that too, you know, if the, um, if the conference thing has some legs, you know, there is some, some pretty good spots, uh, not too far from the airport that I, you know, I know of that could be good places, but yeah, I would love to connect, uh, whenever, whenever I'm sure we'll bump, bump into each other sometime. I yeah. hope so. Well, and any of you randos watching this that are like, I know where Alliston is. That's not too far from me. I'd love to have an estuary group. Hit this guy up and make John Vendonk's joy complete. Yeah. yeah, thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, David. It's been it's been a delight. Yeah, and, very, uh, very happy to have this time. God continue to bless you and your wife and your family and your ministry. Just terrific. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.